ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله First, the apologies for the slight delay tonight was held up unexpectedly after the last lesson in Bolton. But inshallah ta'ala, let's uh, try and do as much as we can tonight here. So the first hadith, قال البخاري رحمه الله حدثنا قتيبة ابن سعيد قال حدثنا أبو عوانة عن موسى بن أبي عائشة عن سعيد بن جبير عن ابن عباس في قوله تعالى لا تحرك به لسانك قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعالج من التنزيل شدة وكان يحرك شفتيه فقال لي ابن عباس أحركهما لك كما كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يحركهما فقال سعيد أنا أحركهما كما كان ابن عباس يحركهما فحرك شفتيه فأنزل الله عز وجل لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه وقرآنه قال جمعه في صدرك ثم تقرأه فإذا قرأت فإذا قرأناه فاتبع فاتبع قرآنه قال فاستمع له وأنصت ثم إن علينا أن تقرأه قال فكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أتاه جبريل عليه السلام استمع فإذا انطلق جبريل قرأه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كما أقرأه This hadith it speaks about the manner in which the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to move his lips when that revelation used to come upon him because it mentions كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعالج من التنزيل شدة that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to experience difficulty at the time of that revelation that it used to be heavy upon him that revelation when it came وَكَانَ يُحَرِّكُ شَفَتَيْهِ and he would move his lips so Ibn Abbas said in the hadith, I'll move them the way the Prophet ﷺ used to. And Sa'id ibn Jubair said, I move them now, I'll show you how Ibn Abbas used to. Because he used to move them from what he saw from the Prophet ﷺ. And so he moved his lips too. And the ayah was revealed لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه وقرآنه
Jam'uhu that upon us is its compilation, i.e. in your heart. Thumma taqra'uhu, then you read it. And when we read it, then follow up with that recitation and reading. Qal fastami' lahu wa ansit. So listen to it. Pay attention to it. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا أَن تَقْرَأَهُ Then upon us is that you then read it. قَالْ فَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمِ إِذَا أَتَاهُ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ اسْتَمَعَا So when Jibreel alayhi salam used to come upon the Prophet sallallahu he used to listen. فَإِذَا انْطَلَقَ جِبْرِيلُ قَرَأَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَمَا أَقْرَأَهُ So then, when Jibreel used to leave, the Prophet ﷺ used to now read it. He would be able to read it as Jibreel had read it upon him. He would then be able to read it as Jibreel had read it upon him. As Shaykh Al-Aythameen, he says, These ayat are great and tremendous and it indicates كَانَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُعَالِجُ مِنَ الْوَحِي شِدَّةِ that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to experience difficulty at the time of that revelation it was something heavy that revelation and it mentions in المزمل number 5 إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا that we will reveal upon you a heavy statement فَأَحْيَانًا إِذَا نَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ الْوَحِي وَهُوَ عَلَى نَاقَتِهِ بَرَكَتِ sometimes when the Prophet وسلم, was on his camel and revelation came the camel would kneel down and sit down وَنَزَلَ عَلَيْهِ الْوَحِي مَرَّ وَرَأْسُهُ عَلَى فَخِذِ حُذَيْفَةِ رضي الله عنه فكادت تردها وكان يأتيه الوحي في اليوم الشاتي البارد فيتصبب عرقا من شدة ما يجده وكان لحرصه صلى الله عليه وسلم على القرآن وضبطه يتعجل إذا قرأه جبريل تلقاه فورا منه فيتعجل وربما يكون بتعجل هذا يفوته بعض الشيء فنهاه الله عن ذلك وقال لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به It's mentioned as well sometimes the revelation may come to him on a very cold day It may have been a very cold day and that is possible. Medina, Mecca, people think heat 40, 50 degrees. But there are times when winter comes there, it becomes cold. Cold enough to wear big coats and woolly hats and gloves. Experienced it ourselves. So some days it used to be cold when the revelation came upon him. Yet, because of that, difficulty and burden and that revelation coming upon him even in that cold day he would break sweat sweat typically you expect on a hot day 
But even on that cold day, then sweat would break from him when the revelation came upon him. And it's mentioned that when the revelation would come upon him, when Jibreel would come and teach him, that instantly, instantly the Prophet ﷺ would want to repeat it. As soon as he heard it from Jibreel, instantly he would wish to repeat it and to repeat it. So then it was mentioned this ayah. Because as a consequence of instantly and quickly wanting to repeat it, it's possible it may not have been fully comprehended or memorized. There may have been a section, a word, a letter, not quite right. So as a consequence, the ayah was revealed, prohibiting the Prophet ﷺ from quickly and hastily repeating and instantly repeating, but to give it some time with Jibreel when he was being taught the Qur'an. So لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به Do not move your tongue in order to be quick with it, to be hasty with it. Because the Prophet ﷺ wanted to quickly, instantly repeat after Jibreel. وَالْعَجَلَ قَدْ يَكُونُ فِيهَا شَيْءٌ مِنْ فَوَاتِ الْمَقْصُودِ ثُمَّ تَكَفَّلَ الرَّبُّ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَقَالْ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَهُ نَحْنُ الَّذِينَ نَجْمَعُهُ فِي صَدْرِكَ وَنَحْفَظُهُ فِيهِ وَلَا يَفُوتُكَ شَيْءٌ مِنْهُ Then after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentioned that there is nothing to worry about. That the Prophet ﷺ isn't going to miss anything if it is taken slower, then that doesn't mean anything will be missed or lost or forgotten. So Allah mentioned, It is upon us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ensure that all of it is memorized and in the chest of the Prophet so that there is no worry to instantly and quickly want to repeat that and to learn that quickly and hastily. Allah mentions, it is upon us that we will compile and gather all of that in your heart. All of that will be memorized by you. So nothing will be missed. There is nothing that you're going to miss out on. So when we read it, i.e. when, in this case of the revelation coming, when Jibreel reads it. Because initially Jibreel السلام, is going to read that upon the Prophet وسلم, And then he memorizes that and learns that. As we've discussed before, Allah spoke the Qur'an. Jibreel السلام, heard that from Allah. He then comes and teaches the Prophet sallallahu So when we read it, i.e. qara'ahu Jibreel. When Jibreel initially reads it, وَأَسْنَدَ اللَّهُ قِرَاءَةَ جِبْرِيلَ إِلَيْهِ لِأَنَّهُ رَسُولُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ If the intent here is Jibreel, then why does it say in the ayah when we read it? 
which would indicate the pronoun returning back to Allah because Jibreel السلام, is the messenger of Allah being sent with that revelation directly from Allah so it is mentioned as we read it in the meaning of Jibreel the messenger who is reading it from us لأنه رسول رب العالمين وفعل الرسول فعل للمرسل and when your appointed messenger goes and relays that message then the source of what he is relaying what he's passing on is from not him but from where he's been sent like in the olden days when they would send the messengers a person with the letters to go across traveling to other countries and give it to the king to this to that when that messenger that postman as you call it now gets to that place and gives that message and relays that message that message isn't from him it is from the one who has sent him therefore the action that he's doing the words he's relaying are in effect the words of the one who sent him hence the pronoun being used that when we read which would typically there return back to Allah meaning of that here is the messenger that we have sent with our words with that Quran so it says so when we read it i.e. when Jibreel reads it then follow his reading follow that Quran his reading and do not be quick do not be quick and hasty rather slowly and take every word it's obligatory upon the Prophet to take that Quran precisely word for word must take it precisely word for word and so wait the message being given to the Prophet is wait until Jibreel finishes allow that then you repeat and follow his reading and do not be instant and quick rather wait and let him read that upon you then you follow that after فالكفاله الثانيه التي بعد الجمع والقران ثم ان علينا بيانه so initially allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that it is the guardianship from allah the, the, that Allah will ensure all of that Quran is memorized by the Prophet ﷺ, preserved and learnt. Then the second thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they will also ensure is the clarification and explanation of that Quran. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَهُ Then upon us 
is to give that clarification and explanation to our servants. The meanings of the words, all the words, explanation of that Quran. So Allah has ensured that the Quran will be memorized by the Prophet and then conveyed and that the explanation will be provided and clarified. وَمَا يَفُوتُ النَّاسِ مِنْ لَفْظِهِ أَوْ مِنْ مَعْنَاهُ فَهَذَا إِمَّا لِقُصُورٍ أَوْ تَقْصِيرٍ If a person misses out on some understanding of some section, he doesn't get some section, but then he says, what does this mean? Then Allah said, He will clarify it all to us. He will ensure it is all clarified. Then why am I not understanding every section of it? Then that is because of the fault in of yourself, not in the angle of Allah having clarified it. Like they say, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned, if you see a hadith that says something, whatever that hadith is, and then you see another hadith which says something opposite to it, and they are both authentic narrations, one hadith telling you one thing, another one telling you something clearly opposite. Shaykh al-Islam said, if both of them are authentic and there is no abrogation, nothing, then how can that be? How can it be if there is no abrogation, both are authentic, both are applicable, and only one of them can be right? Then what's going on? Shaykh al-Islam said, what is going on is that your mind has been unable to understand the two narrations together and how they work together. And as a consequence of that deficiency in your mind, you have perceived that there is a contradiction between the narrations. And there is not. There is no contradiction in the revelation. If you see that there is in the authentic revelation, it is because of a misunderstanding, a deficiency in your intellect and understanding and comprehension. Not that there is an actual contradiction in the authentic revelation. Same here, if there is a deficiency in your understanding of the Qur'an, then it's not because of anything to do with the Qur'an or the Qur'an having been clarified, all of that's been done. Allah safeguarded that to occur. If you don't understand something, it's your shortcoming. Your deficiency that you don't understand that section yet. It's like a Shaykh Al-Fawzan Hafiz Allah Ta'ala mentioned in his explanation of Al-Usul Sitta. One of the doubts that the Shaytan brings amongst the people is that your minds, your intellects, your level of knowledge is never good enough to understand the Quran and the Sunnah. The Quran and the Sunnah can only be understood by who? In Al-Rasul Sitta, what does it say? By the scholars? The ulama? 
I won't request people to put their hands up who have studied the six principles or claim to have studied the six principles. But anybody else? Maybe we have to do the hands. You're pushing me into a corner. We have to do the hands. Now put your hands up if you study the six fundamental principles. Al-Usul, Al-Sitta. You've gone through it from beginning to end with one of the mashayikh or one of the students. And you've done the book. Nobody's done it. Okay, inshallah, we'll do it uh, one of the books afterwards. Of course, there are brothers here who've done it. And they've gone through it, and they've read through it with one of the mashayikh or one of the students in one of the marakis. But then if that's the case, then why do you not know the answer? The reality of doing a book isn't just I went and attended the classes, and I was there for all of the classes. The reality of doing the book is that you understand it and you learn it. And that's the same principle they put down for people who claim to be students of a Sheikh bin Baz, a Sheikh Al-Fawzan, a Sheikh. They say, I am the student of a Sheikh Al-Athameen. I am the student of a Sheikh bin Baz. I sat with him for five years. I'm the student of Sheikh Fawzan. I sat with him for five years, six years. They say the reality isn't just that. Yes, maybe he did. Maybe this person did and was over there and sat with Sheikh Fawzan for five years, six years. Sat with Sheikh bin Baz for 10 years before that, maybe, maybe he did that. But that doesn't qualify him to say that he is a student of that Sheikh. What qualifies him to say he's a student of that Sheikh is that he learned the knowledge of that Sheikh and then practiced and implemented that knowledge and that manhaj of Ahlul Sunnah that he learned from that Sheikh. As for a person now, Claims that he is a student of a Sheikh bin Baz, for example. And then he comes back, he's a tablighi. And he says, I'm a student of a Sheikh bin Baz. I was with him for 10 years, for 20 years. Maybe he was 10, 20 years attending the classes of a Sheikh bin Baz over there. But now he comes back and he calls to the way of Jama'at al-Tablighi. Is he a student of a Sheikh bin Baz? He sat there, but he's not a student of a Sheikh bin Baz. Same here. It's not just about saying I've done the book. It's about knowing it. So remember in that book it said, the doubt that the shaitan brings is that he says, nobody can understand this except al-mujtahid al-mutlaq. Meaning the high level scholar. Not even just a scholar. Al-mujtahid al-mutlaq. And when you look into the books of Usul al-Fiqh, they explain how that level al-mujtahid, al-mutlaq, you're talking at the top, top echelons, the top scholars, the most knowledgeable ones. Why do they say that to their followers? Because they don't want their followers to go and learn the Quran and the Sunnah. They want their followers to remain as blind followers of their so-called sheikhs. To be blind followers, led like sheep. And the point that was connected here is, Sheikh Fawzan said, in refutation of that doubt, rather Allah has given us all intellects. But we have different levels of intellects. 
Some people here can understand this class we're doing right now. Some people will understand 95, 100% of it. And they'll go and memorize it and learn it and proper. Others maybe, they only understand 80% of what happens in the class. There are 20% of things that they don't really catch on to. Maybe that's okay. There may be some people who only catch 60% of the class and there are some bits that they don't get their head around. Okay, that's okay. As Sheikh Al-Fawzan said, everybody has different levels of understanding. Just like in the Quran where it mentioned about the valleys. Each valley, depending on how deep the valley is, it will determine how deep the water is that it holds when it rains and the water comes down. If it's a deep valley, when it rains and the water comes down, it will hold a large amount of water because of its depth. If it's a very shallow, small valley, it will only hold a much smaller quantity of water. But the fact that it is a valley, as shallow as it may be, it means that it will definitely still hold some water. And the Sheikh said, that is how the minds of the people are. Nobody can sit there and say, I don't understand anything. Everybody has the ability to understand. Some may have more ability. Some may strive more, put more effort in, learn, memorize, revise notes, books, recordings. Some may put more effort in. And as a consequence, that may help them to gain further levels. Others may just naturally not have that ability to a certain level, but everybody has some ability to be able to understand something at least. So here uh, it mentions that if you don't understand something, it's not because of a problem in the revelation, not at all. It's because of a deficiency and a problem in your level of understanding. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا رسول الله أشهد أن محمدا رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله We'll just round off this section for this hadith and then pray. Uh, the Shaykh mentions at the end a few points. One of them being that from this narration, can we take some etiquettes of the student of knowledge from it? And if so, what? 
the narration where the Prophet ﷺ was being taught the Qur'an by Jibreel, then the ayah came, do not be hasty but to listen to all of the words and comprehend everything. All that narration. Can we take some etiquettes of the student of knowledge from it and what? Can we understand any adab of the talib al-ilm from this narration? So he says, هَلْ يُؤْخَذْ مِنْ هَذِي الْآيَةِ آدَابٌ لِطَالِبِ الْعِلْمِ فِي التَّعَلُّمِ مِثْلَ الْإِصْغَاءِ وَالْإِنْصَاتِ الجواب نعم لا شك أنه يؤخذ من هذا أنه ينبغي لمن تلقى القرآن عن غيره ألا يتعجل وينتظر حتى يفرغ ثم يتابعه Can we take from this hadith an etiquette for the student of knowledge in learning? i.e. the etiquette of listening carefully. Yes, the Sheikh says, no doubt, as a student of knowledge, you need to listen carefully, particularly in the example of the Qur'an. Somebody teaching you the Qur'an, you listen precisely and carefully to how they are pronouncing it, where the letters are coming out from, what those words are. Of course, it is an etiquette of the student of knowledge to pay attention and to listen carefully when that lesson or what he is learning is occurring. Also a final benefit to round off on, a statement of Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas, Ibn Abbas, he said the Qur'an is four types. Four types. One section of the Qur'an is such that nobody can be ignorant of it. Everybody has to understand a certain section, a certain aspect of the Quran. And there are some parts which are blatant and clear. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not associate partners with Him. Everybody has to understand that. So there are certain parts everybody must understand. That's one category. And then there is a, a certain element of the Qur'an which is understood by the Arabs because of the Arabic language. The way the Arabic works, it is understood by the Arabs. And a category that is understood by the firmly grounded in knowledge. Firmly grounded, the more knowledgeable the scholars, etc., they'll understand certain ayat that a common person reads them. He may not understand the rulings and the fiqh and how it works. But the people of knowledge will have understanding of those sections, which they then teach and explain. And then the final section is what? That the knowledge of it is with Allah. Qismun. Uh, so there is one category that is not known except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is mentioned uh, uh, in, the, in the Quran itself regarding the tafsir of certain parts it's like you could say the opening of the chapters like alif lam meem those types of things the scholars they say that is there as a miracle of the Quran. It's a miracle of the Quran. Alif Lam Mim Alif Lam Ra. How? Not just that nobody knows that 
there's more to it why it's a miracle. The Quran was revealed in the language of the Arabs and not just any Arabs, the Aqhah, those who knew Arabic to the precise detail, to the extent now here for most people here, your first language is English for most people here. So now if that is your first language, if somebody says to you on the spot, get up, give us a poem off the top of your head and all of the ends have to be rhyming. Give us 20 verses, poem with all of the ends rhyming on the spot there and then in your first language English. Can you do it? No, you cannot. We'll be here till Fajr if you pick somebody. The Arabs, they say, in that time, their Arabic was so strong, on the spot you pick somebody, you say, stand up, give me a poem, a new one, not one you've memorized, a new one on the spot, just start making some rhyme, a thousand verses long in Arabic, they would do it off the top of their head. That level of strength in their language. Yet, with that level of strength in their language, the Quran came in that language that they were absolute experts in, yet they cannot deduce for you Alif Lam Mim Alif Lam Ra. Miracle of the Quran. So that's what we're going to have to round off today. Apologies for the short class. Inshallah Ta'ala, we'll continue with it next time. Your reward is with Allah, those who traveled. Next week, we'll carry on, Inshallah, with the next section and hopefully a fuller class.